But the title of my message, and I like to turn to Luke chapter 11 to begin with. Luke chapter 11. I want to read a little bit of it from the Amplified Version. And uh, then I'll tell you what my title of my message is. The, in keeping with what Pastor Dennis has been sharing on in these past weeks, it's been about the believer's spiritual journey. So that's kind of what we're going to be looking at today. But in Luke chapter 11, starting with verse 1, if we can, Jesus is having a little discourse because of a request the disciples had for him. And it says, when he was praying in a certain place and when he stopped, one of his disciples, I wonder which one that was, probably Peter, he liked to ask questions. One of his disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. Now, I want to just to point out one little thought there real quickly. He didn't say, teach us what to pray or what words. How many know they're not magical words when you pray? God listens to the heart. So he did, they weren't asking what to pray and they weren't asking how to pray. They were just here saying, Lord, teach us to do it. Lord, just show us to do it. We want to just do it, Lord. So Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And he said unto them, of course, this is the Lord's Prayer. This is from the Amplified Version, if you want to just follow from the screen here. When you pray, say, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, held and on earth as it is in heaven. Give us daily our bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive, as we also ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us, who offended us or done us any wrong. How many know when you stand praying, you need to forgive, right? Sometimes you'll start praying and there'll be things that come to your mind, situations, and those can be real blockages for prayer. So Jesus incorporated this into this little model prayer for us, and he said, make sure when you pray, you're, you're praying forgiveness for others. Lord, I forgive that, brother. I for, I, Lord, I don't want to hold anything in my heart, because if we don't forgive others, what does the Bible say? We're, we're stopping the source of forgiveness for our lives when we do that. So uh, forgive us our sins. And then verse 5, Jesus begins to tell him a little parable. He says, a friend, he said unto them, which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and will say to him, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. And why does he want this bread? It's not for himself. For a friend of mine who is on a journey has just come. That word journey, um, just highlight that on the screen up here. <laughs> journey is a, is a key word here. This person had a friend who was on a journey, and in the middle, in the darkest hour of that journey, in midnight, this man arrives at his friend's house and says, I don't have any more bread. I'm out of bread. So his friend goes to his friend's house, knocks on the door. I have a friend who's on a journey, and he needs three loaves of bread. And the man inside says this, verse 7, <coughs> he from within will answer, don't disturb me. The door is now closed and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and supply you with anything. So the man inside says, I, I'm not going to, my children are sleeping in bed. If I get up, they'll get up. And how many know if you have little children, you don't want them to wake up, Right. Oh my goodness, my wife and I have all kinds of skill sets developed trying to keep our 
babies sleeping whenever uh, we have to get up. Anyway, I, I can't get up. We're sleeping. We're in the doors closed. You know that. Go away. But, verse 9, so I say to you, I'm sorry, verse, I'm sorry, I'm not tur- turning the pages on this. Missy is, so uh, she could change the whole message just with a flip of the switch up there. <laughs> I tell you, although he will not get up and supply him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his shameless persistence and insistence, King James uses the word importunity, and I was surprised. I looked up importunity in the, in the dictionary, and it used persistence and insistence. So Amplified is pretty good at that. Everybody say persistence, persistence. and insistence. And this man just kept going. He didn't care what his friend thought of him. He just kept on knocking and knocking and knocking and knocking and knocking. I need bread. I need bread. I need bread. He's on a journey. I need three loaves. I don't know what he was all saying, but he wouldn't stop. So this man inside finally is awake. You know, he gets up out of bed. He's probably all flustered, and the kids start crying, and all the babies, all that going on. And wife has to go get the bottle and everything. And he, gets, he comes down to the door where he's got his three loaves of bread, gives this man, and he goes back. So... The story is this, verse, um, verse 9. So I say to you, ask, let's read this together. Because Amplified is nice because it shows a little bit more. And this is what you call con, uh, um, perfect present tense where it's not just a one-time thing. It's a continuing on in a present situation. So let's read it together, verse 9. So I say to you, ask and keep on asking and it shall be given you. Seek and keep on seeking and you shall find. Knock, and keep on knocking, and the door shall be opened to you. In verse 10, for everyone who asks and keeps on asking receives. How many are seeing the difference there in the Amplified? That's nice, isn't it? That's really what the, the, the Greek language used here is, is, is referring to. It's a continuing, not just, oh, well, I asked the Lord once. Isn't that enough? There's something about prayer that God wants us to keep asking strange parables. God is really referring to himself as the man who's inside sleeping with kids. Imagine that. He wants us to keep on asking. All right. He who seeks and keeps on seeking finds him who knocks and keeps on knocking. The door shall be open. How many say amen to that? And he goes on and gives another description. He says, what father among you, if his son asked for a loaf of bread, will he give him a stone? What's the answer? No. If he asks for a fish, will he instead of a fish give him a serpent? And the answer is no. Or if he asks for an egg, will he give him a scorpion? And the answer is no. Verse 13. Now, what a transition Jesus makes here. How many found that the Bible is not written in the order you'd like it to be written in? How many of you that like teaching and realize the Bible's not written as a doctrine book? I mean, it would have been really nice if we would have just had the 10 statements of faith written down for us. It would all be clear. There wouldn't be divisions. God didn't do it like that because the Bible is a book of life. It's a book of life. God wants us to know him through it. And the book is not just ink on paper. It's living words. How many can say amen to that? In Philippians, Paul calls it the word of life. And you'll see as Jesus speaks, sometimes even questions that are asked him, he gives a different answer altogether. He brings up a whole other... He doesn't even answer people's questions the right way. If we acted like that in church, everybody would leave probably. 
But the thing is, is that the, the things that happened when Jesus moved and walked, it sometimes seemed very random. And yet there was a beautiful order that God himself can see in heaven. Amen? Jesus says, they that are born of the Spirit are like the wind. One of the aspects, and Pastor Dennis has been teaching on the, the culture of a Spirit-filled church, one of the aspects of a Spirit-filled person, a person who's been baptized in the Holy Spirit and is learning to live and move in that, is that they're like the wind, the Bible says. The wind comes from you don't know where, and it goes sometimes you don't know where. But there's movement. It seems random sometimes. Jesus says in John 3, the wind blows where it wills. It seems random sometimes as the Spirit moves. But if we allow the Spirit to move us, it may not make sense. How many, how many, is there anyone here who can raise their hand and say, everything in my life makes perfect sense? I understood everything that happened to me all my life long. Anybody here? Anybody here think it seems like you've been through confusion after confusion? But how many have been through and seen a little bit of the light at the end once in a while? And all of a sudden you say, God really does work all things together for good. That's an amazing thing. But those that are born of the Spirit are like the wind. It just, things move and go around and change. And so, anyway, back to my story. Here, Jesus all of a sudden shifts. He's been talking about seeking, asking, knocking, prayer. And then he shifts to something very unique. In Matthew 11, verse 13, he says, Then if you, evil as you are, remember, what's Jesus telling these people? Evil as you are, if you know how to give good gifts, gifts that are to their advantage, to your children. Now, read this last part with me. How much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit to those who ask and continue to ask? Now, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is a one-time experience. You don't need to keep on asking for it. Once you're filled, you're filled. He comes to abide in you, Jesus says. But there is a need for a continual asking. Lord, I need the anointing. What is the anointing anyway? Well, we know the Old Testament pictures and all that. One man said, I don't know what the anointing is, but I know when I got it and I know when I don't. <laughs> How many understand that can relate to that? It's hard to understand. Sometimes you just feel it, just something moving you along, pushing you along, helping you along. In fact, that's what the, the, the Holy Spirit's referred to as, the, as parakletos, which is the uh, Greek word, and it means helper, one caught alongside of us to help. And what I want to, 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 to kind of relate here real quickly, and I want to go to the, uh, give you the title of my message. This man that was asking for bread, he was asking bread for a friend, and that friend was on a journey. My message today, I want to entitle Bread, bread for the Journey. One of the things that uh, on Thursday night when Thurlow was here, uh, it was, it was kind of delightful seeing this old man. He was just directing us. And I, don't, I don't even know what those arms motions supposed to mean, you know, but, but it certainly makes you feel like you should sing you know, when you see it, you know. It was just, and, his, and then his uh, wife comes up and she's got the thing going on there. And I, I think Andy, under, he said, oh, now they're doing this. Andy understood the whole thing. There. I couldn't figure it all out. But um, it was just fun watching him. And it was just, and I was amazed if, if those of you were here, it sounded good. First time, I thought, how'd they do that? I don't know how they did that. People reading the music, but it was nice. But one of the things, he was sharing some different things, and he was talking about um, one thing that inspired me. He was sharing this. He said one day he was praying, and he was, asking, he was just praying from Proverbs 3, Lord, you, know, if I, you said if I acknowledge you, uh, you will direct my path, Lord. So Lord, please just direct my path. And all of a sudden, he heard the Lord speak to him. I can't direct you until you get in the path. 
If you're just sitting there waiting for direction and you're not in the path, I can't direct you. And that's the way it is for us also. If we're not moving forward, we can't be directed. It says in Isaiah that you'll hear a voice behind you. Oh, that's the Holy Spirit. You'll hear a voice behind you uh, saying, this is the way, walk ye in it. When you turn to the left and when you turn to the right, this is the way, walk ye in it. And, and then he went on to explain an illustration he used, which I think you can relate to. How many have ever been in a boat? Some of you have boats? Okay, your car works the same way. I, my uh, brother-in-law has a jet ski, and it's even more, uh, you can really see it more clearly than that. You're sitting in the water with this jet ski or a boat. You can turn, as you're sitting there still, you can turn to the right and you can turn to the left. That boat doesn't even move. Isn't that right? The jet ski has these big handles, and you can go like this. You can lean, you can do all of it. The boat doesn't even turn, not even, uh, uh, even one degree of a direction. But the moment you give it a little bit of throttle, in fact, the more throttle you give it, the less you have to turn. The less you have to turn. And, and that's what the Lord wants to, that's one thing the Lord was impressing upon me. I, that, when I heard that on Thursday night, I said, that's, that's a word for us. We are on a journey. And there's, no, there's never a time that we can just sit down and, and, and wait on something. There's a journey we need to be into. And sometimes we, we're not getting direction from the Lord, not because uh, we're not listening carefully. He's given us, he has all kinds of direction for our lives. But we're not moving forward yet. The moment you get a little bit of throttle on the back, all of a sudden, and you know, you're everywhere. It doesn't take much. You know, on that jet ski, my goodness, I about flipped myself about three or four times when I was on that. I mean, it, when, the faster you go, you just got to go, and you're way over there and way over. It doesn't take much at all because, because there's a thrust behind you. God wants us to be a moving people. Can you say Amen. And, and this whole idea of wind and the river, there's a, there's a movement that God wants in our lives, and we just need to trust and believe that God has something. It's so easy to sit still and say, hey, God, God ain't got nothing for me to do. You know, nobody appreciates what I ever did anyway, so he ain't got nothing for, Lord, you know, just tell me if you want me to do something or not. No, he's already got something for you to do. In fact, Ephesians 2.10, it says that we're his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should what? Do you know the verse? That we should what? For Ephesians 2.10, that he's a foreordained works that we should walk in. Now, I wonder if I can go to the back of the church with this. I like that. That's kind of fun. You know, one time in our church in San Francisco, we had so many people that sat in the back that... Um, I couldn't get them to come forward and sit. So I took the microphone and didn't have a nice headset like this, and I went to the back of the church and I preached. Made them all turn around and look at me. <laughs> and then, then the people in the back were people in the front, and we had a good time then. We, you know, we got everything all changed. But, you know, the fact is, he wants us to move. There's, there's movement in our lives. There's a journey, and, and, and he wants to... We need bread for the journey. Now, he mentions three loaves, and the Lord has often used that verse for me. When I pray for a message, I'll take that verse. And I say, God, these people are on a journey. And Dover Four Square Church is on a journey. And that journey is not easy, although it's a restful journey because it's not our works, it's his. But Lord, they need bread for the journey. They need something of consistency. They need bread for the body and bread for the soul. 
and bread for their spirit. Lord, give bread today. So, and especially we're living in midnight hours. We need that bread. Can you say amen? amen. Let me get some water here. Um, no one wants a dry preacher, I don't think. <laughs> I just poured on my head and everything. Right? Um, I want to show you a Greek word. And I'm not even going to attempt to pronounce it right. The word is this. I'm just going to say, you do. Can you say that with me? You do. Just look to somebody next to you and say, how do you do? Okay. I don't even know if that's how you pronounce it. It doesn't really matter. The idea is the meaning behind this word. And I want to show you where it's at. Keep, go with me to 3 John and verse 2. This word is used two times in the New Testament. It's a unique word. And it's interesting how it's translated. You do. How do you do? In 3 John and verse 2, Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest what? Prosper. Prosper. Say that word with me again. Prosper. And be in health, even as thy soul prospereth. The word you do is actually used twice in this verse. Can you tell me which word it is? It's the word prosper. Let's go back to that screen. What John is praying, he says, I want you to prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. God wants us to have a prosperous, successful life. And this word for prosper is a very unique word. I won't have you raise your hand, but is anyone guilty of uh, reading books on how to get rich quick? Don't raise your hand. <laughs> oh, there's all kinds of books. You look at, there's so many, and there's some really fascinating stories. I, I love uh, some of the stories and testimonies in those books. Nothing wrong with that. But you know, the goal is not how much you can accumulate to yourself. Prosperity in God's eyes has nothing to do with how much you have. It has to do with how far down the road you've made it. Amen? The word prosper comes from two words, you and hoodoo, whatever that is. And it means the word hoodoo or hoodoo or hoedown or I don't know how you say that. It means way, journey, or road. And the quick translation of the word is have a good journey, or I want you to have help and success on your journey. It has to do with movement, not just accumulating things to ourselves. Uh, it means prosperous, ex- an expeditious journey. In fact, let's go to Romans chapter 1, verse 10 in the King James translation. And the same exact, exact word, say to the person next to you, how do you do? Same exact word uh, as used here in Romans 1, verse 10. And look how it's translated here. Because Greek and Hebrew are such rich languages, there's so much in each word. You just can't take a few words in English. That's why it's good to use various translations. Of course, stick to the King James when you can. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. Um, There's a lot of good translations and uh, and some that give very, especially amplified, very good. Um, but this is the same word being used here. And Paul is saying, I make request if by any means, now at length, I might have a, say with me, prosperous journey. Prosperous journey. So this prosperity that God has for us, this success has to do with us moving forward. There has to be movement in our lives. And it's that the, the word, what John was praying for the people is that they would be able to, their soul would prosper and they would prosper in every other aspect of their life also. 
Let me take you to one interesting verse about this uh, in Genesis chapter 24, and we'll do this in the King James also. Genesis 24, this is a story of a servant who was sent on a journey. And the journey this servant was being sent on required him to go, but also to return. Now, the servant in this story is actually a picture of the Holy Spirit's work. What this servant was sent to do, Abraham sent his servant to find a bride for the wife, for for Isaac. And how many understand that's what the Holy Spirit's come here to do also? Holy Spirit's come here to find a bride for Christ. Okay. And uh, so here in Genesis 24, the servant is, is, is being sent out. And he travels this long distance because uh, uh, Abraham says, I don't want you to get a a bride from this area. I want you to go back to that land, and I want you to find a bride for my son. And Abraham is is the type here in this story, at least, of uh, God the Father. And the bride, of course, would be the church. And Isaac is a picture of Jesus in this chapter then. But the, the servant goes, and... As he arrives, he just begins to pray, and he's asking, uh, God, I want you to, to, to prosper my journey. In, in Genesis 24, uh, he, he actually um, prays and says, Lord, the one that you've chosen for me, here's the sign I'm going to know that she's the one. When I come... She's going to, he was right there at a well, and it's interesting that there's always a well involved. In in fact, Jacob found his bride at a well also. So the bride of Christ needs to be close to a well. What do you think? Right? How many know you have a well within you? It's the Holy Spirit. So Jake, I'm sorry, the servant is here and he's praying. He says, God, if she be the one, here's what I'm asking for. In Genesis 24, and his prayer is in verse 12. And he said, O Lord God of my master Abraham, I pray thee, send me good speed this day. Show kindness unto my master Abraham. In verse 13, behold, I stand here by the well of water, and the daughters of the men of the city come out to draw water. And let it come to pass. Now, here's the condition he's putting. And I think there's something here for us too. Let it come to pass that the damsel to whom I shall say, Let down thy pitcher, I pray thee, that I may drink. And she shall say, Drink, and I will give thy camels drink also. Let this be the one that you've appointed for thy servant Isaac. Thereby I will know that thou hast showed kindness unto my master. Well, as soon as he finishes praying, Rebekah comes out. She comes down. Just so happens in verse six that the dam, 16, the damsel was very fair to look upon. Just happened to be that she was beautiful. How many know God always gives you a beautiful wife? Amen. How many husbands say, I have a beautiful wife? <laughs> right? Amen. All right. Just so happened. If you let God choose the wife, she'll be the most beautiful one she could ever be to you. Amen? All right. Well, the damsel came, and she went down to the well, and she filled up her pitcher. And notice what the servant does. I want to show you the Holy Spirit gets excited. He just didn't stand there. He ran to meet her in verse 17. The servant ran to meet her and said, Let me, I pray thee, drink a little water of thy pitcher. Okay, now this is the test. And Rebecca says, Oh, man, I just, you know, I just finished doing all that. You can ask somebody else. I'm too busy. She didn't do that, did she? What did she say? 
Drink, my Lord. And did she do it slowly? How many know when you ask your kids to do something, you know how, how much they really want to do it? Right? You know, come on, take out the treasure. Okay. You know, they just can never quite make it there. And, um, but she went right away. She ran. And she emptied her pitcher into the trough and ran again to the well. To, she ran again. She's not stopping here. She's running both times, not only to get water for him, but to get water for the ten camels. You probably heard it before, but did you know how much water one camel can drink after a long journey? At least 30 gallons. 30, up to 30 gallons. This man had 10 camels. How many gallons is that? How strong was Rebecca? That's a lot of water. And she ran doing it each time. That's a lot of, that's a lot of water. I don't know how big her pitcher was, but she just kept on going. And she made sure there was water there. Well, the man was wondering, in verse 21, the man wondering at her held his peace to see whether the Lord had made his journey prosperous or not. It's, it's, that's an interesting word also in the Hebrew for the word prosper. But it says here that, that he knew that this was the woman that God had chosen. And that's perhaps a test in our life also. The Holy Spirit's looking for those who want to serve like that, huh? He's looking for a bride that's going to serve. She was servant, a servant, and God's called the church to be just like that. Yesterday, we were out there serving water to hungry souls. Amen? Opportunities like that, our VBS, opportunities for us. And it seems like a lot of work sometimes. What are we doing? We're drawing water out for people. The Bible says in Isaiah 12, draw water with joy from the wells of salvation to give to others. He's called us to do that. How many had joy doing that yesterday, right? A little activity, just a chance for us to reach out to souls, and it was a blessing. In verse 27, the servant makes an interesting comment. In verse 27, when he's relating this story, he, said, he says this, as he's just blessing the Lord that God has provided, God has made, made a way for the bride to be found for Isaac. In verse 27, he said, Blessed be the Lord God of my master Abraham, who hath not left destitute my master of his mercy and his truth, I being, read this with me if you will in the King James, I being in the way the Lord led me. But what's he saying there? I being in the way the Lord led me. Say that with me again. I being in the way the Lord led me. One more time. I being in the way the Lord led me. This is what God has for us. And if we're moving forward, sometimes Ecclesiastes uh, chapter 9, verse 10, it says, whatsoever your hand finds to do, whatsoever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. Sometimes you just got to lay your hand to something and start. And all of a sudden, God begins doing it. Now, I just feel one of the words that, 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 that or one of the Loaves of bread that that God's providing for us today is an encouragement that if we step out in spite of our circumstances, whether it's stepping out by way of giving, just even financially, or we step out in service in some area, if we just step out, all of a sudden, just like that, 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 that jet ski, there'll be direction for our lives that we didn't have before. It's when we're sitting and waiting. You know, I'm just waiting for the pastor to call me to tell me what to do. 
pastor hasn't told me what to do yet, so I'm just going to sit here. It doesn't work like that. Can you say amen? amen. We've got to find something. We've got to move forward. As we move forward, there's going to be a grace that comes. There's going to be a strength that comes. He says, I've been in the way the Lord led me. Can you say amen? amen? I want to show you one more word in the Hebrew, this word prosper again, this idea of prospering in this journey, moving forward in the journey. Uh, the word in the Old Testament for prosper is even a little bit more unique. Anybody want to try pronouncing that word? Let's just call it, sh- sh- can't do it, selah. Can you say that? Selah, something like that. But it means this. It means to push or thrust forward. Again, it's not prosperity where you're sitting here and, and you're just saying, oh, God, just rain the blessings down on me. Here I am. Pour it out, Lord. I'm going to save it all up. It doesn't work like that. Pushing forward, violently rushing in advancement. Here's the way it's translated, the word for prosper, the same words we just finished reading in Genesis. It doesn't only just mean prosper, but it means to come upon, to rush upon mightily, to make, to progress, to be prosperous and successful. And here's a unique way that it's used. Turn with me to Judges, or look on the screen here. Judges chapter 14, and I want us to see this in King James first of all. I'm going to do it in three different translations, and you'll see this is used several places in the Old Testament. We won't take the time to look at it all, but I want to show you how the Holy Spirit works. Judges chapter 14, how many know that Samson was used mightily by the Holy Spirit? In fact, you'll see the Holy Spirit came upon him. Now, I want to make a clear distinction, just a doctrinal statement here. What they received in the Old Testament wasn't the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Samson wasn't baptized in the Holy Spirit like God, what God has made available for his church today. What Samson received was an anointing to do something. It was an anointing to do some very miraculous things, but the Holy Spirit would come upon him, and they would do things. They would prophesy, or one time he lifted up the gates of the city, or when the enemy was on me, he would just shake them off. Now, you know, I've always seen, if you ever looked in children's books, you see pictures of Samson, and he's got, he looks like uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, you know, Samson like this, he just muscles, he can't even put his arms down because the biceps are so big, like that. And, and, and you think, well, yeah, Samson was... That wasn't, I think Samson was some skinny little guy, just because God does that. Can you say amen? Because his strength wasn't in some muscles that God developed in. It was when the Holy Spirit came upon him, because when the Holy Spirit left him, he, he couldn't do anything. He was tied up with a few little ropes, and he couldn't even do anything about it. They just carried him right away. Yeah, so he wasn't some mighty, you know, you know, bulky kind of a guy that was, that was Mr. America or Mr. Universe, pumping iron and all that kind of a thing. He was just an ordinary guy that the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. That's all it was. And you and I not only just have the Spirit that will come upon us at times, how many know there's a difference? There's that the abiding presence of the Holy Spirit within you. Once you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, there's an abiding presence of the Holy Spirit. You want to stir, you know, someone explained it like this. It's like a pilot light. It's like a pilot light. I mean, and you could not, how many know you can't cook off a pilot light? I mean, you can try, but it'll take you a long time. What do you got to do to get that pilot, to, to get that stove or whatever working? You got to do what? Turn the knob on it. Yeah. Hey, you know what? God's given you a little knob in your, in your mouth. It's called your tongue. And guess what? When you start praying in that language, what are you doing? 
You're, you're opening up the gas valves. Then you can cook some stuff, right? Then you can cook some stuff. So that, but we have an abiding presence, but there are times when the Holy Spirit just moves upon us. And we need to look for more opportunities of that. As a spirit-filled church, we need to expect God to just come upon us all of a sudden. And even just saying, Lord, I, I just believe that in this time of ministry, or, or Lord, when I talk to this person, or when I or go to this area of my job, I just, Lord, I can, I can just expect and believe that as I move over there, something's going to come upon me, and you're going to help me minister or share a word of life that'll be different. I know a lot of you have given, I've heard Mike share some beautiful testimonies where God just brought him into nat- a situation that would just look like a very ordinary situation, and all of a sudden, boom, God just gives a word. It's all it takes when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. How many want to believe with me for God to give us more opportunities like that where the Spirit just comes upon us? We can't sit in your house and wait for that to happen. You got to be in the way. You got to be doing something you got to be there. And uh, many times we are, but we're just not thinking that's the right. No, that can only happen in church. You know, that's, uh, that's that outpouring of the Holy Spirit. That's church stuff. No, no, no. Right where you're at, in your car. How many ever had the Holy Ghost fall on you in your car? Whoa, you, got, you better pull over though, okay? <laughs> Texting and driving is bad, but getting filled with the Holy Ghost is not, that can be dangerous sometimes too. I've had experiences, even just in time, sometimes even in prayer. There's times when you have your own personal times of prayer, and it's just like, you know, you're going through, you know, going through your list, Lord, I pray for this, and Lord, I pray. And all of a sudden, whoo, something comes. Oh, and you begin to pray with, with fantastic understanding for that situation. The Holy Spirit comes. Even in praying in tongues, as you open up that gas valve and let the gas begin to come on, the fire begins to stir up, and as you're praying in that language, sometimes even the language changes. Sometimes things just happen, and as you're praying, God, the Bible says when you, he who prays in an unknown tongue, pray that he can interpret. Now, that's not just for the gift moving in the church, but that's even for your own personal times. You're praying, God, uh, you feel something happening. It's not, you, the tongue language has changed or something's happening, and all of a sudden, you, you know you're praying something specific. Lord, what is it? Holy Spirit can quicken to you, give you the interpretation of that prayer, and all of a sudden, you're praying in a whole unique way. Those are times we, need to, we can expect and look forward to. Amen? What I want to show you is here with Samson. And when a spirit would come upon him, he would do some mighty things. But the, the expression that's used in the Hebrew is very interesting. It's the word selak. And let's look at this in Judges chapter 14, if we can see that in King James. Let me show you. I'll show you what the word is. Oh, this is really interesting here. Judges 14.6. Read this with me, okay? In the spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him, and he rent him as he would have rent a kid and had nothing in his hand. So he just tore up a lion with his bare hands. And that expression there, came mightily upon him. How many believe that can be for you too? Yeah. We're a sp- supernatural, spirit-filled people that are, that are like the wind. The Lord can move us at any moment in time. Now, I want you to change that, uh, Missy, to the... Uh, the um, Young's literal translation, and you'll see which word it is that's actually the word selak, which means prosper. Read this with me. This is from the Young's literal translation. Basically, they take the language, and they don't switch the words around to make it like natural reading. They put the words right in the same order as they are in the original language. And you'll see here where the word selak is being used. Read it with me. And the Spirit of Jehovah prospereth over him. Let's read that again. And the spirit of Jehovah prospereth 
over him. That word came upon him mightily is the same word prosper. In other words, the Holy Spirit prospered. There was a prospering of the Holy Spirit that came upon his life in that very moment. To me, that came like a revelation when I read that this past week. I thought, that's amazing. That's exactly what the Holy Spirit does when he comes. And as we're moving, as we're going forward, because the same word, shalak, means to push forward, to rush forward. As we're going forward and the Holy Spirit comes upon us, there is a prospering. Not the way we think of it, not something we can put in our bank account and say, hey, look what I got now. But there's a prospering of God's purpose through our lives. Isn't that what you want? Isn't there anything more important than that than for us to prosper in God's will for our life? Nothing greater to stand before him one day and he amazingly, even though everything we did was by his grace, he looks at us and says, Bill, well done, good and faithful servant. He looks at me and says, Abigail, well done, good and faithful servant. Oh, what did we do, Lord? What did we do? Wait, any crown that we received there, we've got to throw it down because what do we have that we've not received? Everything comes from him. The grace came from him. The Spirit's moving came from him. All we did was step out into it. Instead of just sitting down, works that God has prepared that we should walk in them. Any place you see in the Old Testament about the Spirit of God coming upon him, you'll see it's that same word, prosper, the Spirit of Jehovah, the Spirit of God, prospereth over him. Uh, Missy, if you can change that to the ESV translation. Can you find that, the English Standard Version? Look at this, the way this is translated. There we go. Read this with me. Then the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon him. Does that remind you of something like maybe in the book of Acts chapter 2? What's it remind you of? Huh? The Spirit of the Lord came in like a rushing. Oh, there's something to that. I wish I would have had more time this week to study more of this, but every place you see this, you'll see about King Saul. We won't look at it right now, but in chapter 10, Interestingly, Saul wasn't, I mean, he was not, he did not turn out to be a great king because he chose a different path. He began walking on a different path that God had ordained, and little by the Spirit left him. How many of the Holy Spirit's gentle dove? It's not going to stick around uh, if we're persistent in our own ways. So Saul lost that. But in the beginning, when Samuel anointed him, he says, now Samuel, uh, Samuel said, now Saul, you go to this mountain. You're going to see some people worshiping God. You're going to see Andy on the piano over there, and they'll see the drummers playing. I'll be worshiping God. As you get there to that mountain, he was over here, and, and Samuel says, now you go over there, and when you go there, the Spirit of the Lord is going to come upon you. That's that same word. The Spirit of the Lord is going to prosper over you. The Spirit of the Lord is going to rush upon you. Another translation says the Spirit of the Lord is going to flood over you. And Samuel says, when that happens, you'll be turned into another man. And that's exactly what happened. It says the moment Saul began to move, he hadn't even quite got there yet. If you read it carefully, it's very interesting. He hadn't even arrived at that mountain yet. He was still on his way, but the moment he turned around, it says God gave him a whole other heart. How many know God can do that by his spirit? When you take a step forward into the will of God, how many know God can give you another heart? He can change the heart. There's things that you thought you really enjoyed all of a sudden. Those things don't mean as much to you as the things over here. How did that happen? God changed you. The Spirit of the Lord came upon you. It prospered over you. It flooded upon you. It rushed upon you in advancement. You're progressing in the will of God. The power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Can you say amen? Amen. Same thing with David. Spirit of the Lord came upon him. It wasn't because he was skilled with a sling. 
He had already been anointed. You know that, don't you? He was anointed before he ever went there. And when he went and faced Goliath, he just said, in the name of the Lord. It wasn't David that threw that stone. It was God behind him that made that stone reach its mark. It said the Spirit of the Lord came upon David mightily from that day forward. Once that anointing came, there is an opportunity for us to receive these experiences in the Lord. The culture of a Spirit-filled Christian is they're looking for opportunities for the moving of the Spirit to flood over their lives, flood over their lives. Can you believe with me for that today? The Christian life's not a difficult life. But there's not, it's not a matter of us struggling. In fact, it says the rivers of the Lord, the place of the Lord will be like broad rivers, it says in Isaiah 33. Be like broad rivers. And boats with oars will not be permitted. How many can say amen to that? You can find that verse in Isaiah 33. Boats with oars are not, you're not going to be rowing. When you're in a stream of God's river, there's a thrusting, a, a prospering, a progress pushing you forward. How many believe that even when you're 85? We have our sister Ola here today. And, and yeah, awesome. She's not 85. How old are you, Ola? Oh. Oh. She's been pushed and prospered by the Holy Spirit on her life, right, Ola? The Word of God is in her. The Word of God is in her. The Bible says God's Word will prosper and accomplish. That's that same word, Shalak, prosper. I want to show you a man who is 85 years old. If we can show this little, it's just a couple minute video clip. I thought it was appropriate. It's not totally off my subject. I had wanted to share one more thought about this and the fact that in this journey, in fact, before you do that, uh, Missy, can we look at one more verse in Isaiah about the journey? I really want you to see this because this is a key. I really feel this is another loaf of bread for your journey that is important and we don't have time to discuss it, but I want you to see this. Isaiah 57. And, and you know, my feeling upon moving here to New Philadelphia and the Tuscarawas County area, I see, I see a lot of people that are just tired and kind of giving up on things. Not, not here in the church, people here. I mean, if you would have seen uh, some of the older ladies out there dancing when my daughter was teaching some dance steps, uh, you know, that's not happening here. But I see a lot of people that are just tired. I've seen Christians that are just tired. They call it burnout. I don't know about all that. I know if you're doing the will of God, you're not going to burn out because it's not your fuel. It's not a matter of how much you're doing. It's a matter of doing what God's told you to do. And he may tell you to do a whole lot of stuff. You can pick up the gates of the city, kill 10,000. Don't don't bother killing the 10,000 men, but you can do a lot of things when the Spirit of God is upon you and not even feel tired. I don't, think, I don't think Samson had muscle pain the next day. Do you think he did? No, because it wasn't his strength. Arnold Schwarzenegger says, no pain, no gain. Well, Samson didn't have to worry about that one. He didn't have any pain the next day. But a lot of people tired in their journeys. They need bread. You and I can be givers of bread to them, speaking the word of God to them. We can be givers of that bread. Remember this man who was asking for the bread. It wasn't for himself. 
And I think you'll find that a beautiful truth also. Instead of just asking for me, for me, for me, whatever your need is today, drop that at the foot of the cross and, and, and find someone else or think of someone else in your mind that's having a worse situation one way or the other. Lord, give them bread today. Isaiah 57, verse 10. Thou art wearied in the greatness of the way. And the Christian way is a great way. It is a a long journey. There's a lot involved in it. But thank God, just like Rebecca on her journey to see Isaac, she had the servant right next to her all the way talking to her about Isaac. Oh, he's got eyes like this. He's got ears like this. He's got a mouth like this. He acts like this. Talking to Rebecca all the time about Isaac, keeping her encouraged. But it says this, Thou art wearied in the greatness of thy way, yet saidest thou not, there is no hope. Yet you did not say there is no hope. The key here is your mouth. Be careful what you speak. A lot of people think it's really cool to talk down negative stuff. We're going to see from this little video it's not like that. Because you said, there's, because you did not say there's no hope, because you didn't say that, what happens? Let's read the rest of it. Thou hast found the life of thine hand, therefore thou wast not grieved. Very important. Along this journey, we need the word of God in us. We need to look for those anointings of the Spirit to move upon us. And we need to be careful what we speak with our mouth on this journey. Don't be a person who dumps negative stuff on others. Be a person who is asking God for bread. God, I have people, there's people that are going through midnight experiences and they need bread for their journey, Lord. Put bread in my mouth that I can give them. Don't be a negative talker. There's how many, there isn't enough negative stuff on the TV. Just turn that on if you want to hear it. But let it not come out of our mouths. Amen? All right. I want to, I want to show you a video of an 85-year-old man. You may recognize him. And uh, he has a little saying about old age, which I think you'll appreciate here. Watch this. Roy Harden is with me today. This man knows the Bible, I promise you. 85 years young, still going for God. I'm amazed by your biblical knowledge. I mean, you've always been an amazing Bible teacher. But, you know, I mean, still, you are still studying the Word at your age. How is it you retain all that? I mean... You know, forgive me for asking, but I mean, <laughs> someone who's 85 and you have such a sharp mind that you remember everything? Every day, Benny, among my confession of faith, and I, be- I believe in that, because Jesus said in Mark 11:23 that if we do not doubt in our heart but believe, we can have what we say. And part of my confession of faith every day is I am brilliant because I have the mind of Christ. I believe that. What do you say about age? You have a little saying you, you say about age. Well, I'd like you, to hear that again. You're as young as your dreams and as old as your doubts. So don't let anyone steal your dreams. Every day have a checkup from the neck up. Get rid of all that stinking thinking. I love that. Because as a man thinketh in his heart, so, so is, is he. Yeah. So yeah. The, the, the mind and the mouth can either be our two greatest enemies to destroy, or the mind and the mouth can be our two greatest allies to give success and victory. Here's what he said. Let's read this together. You're as young as your dreams. Okay, next screen. 
So don't let anyone steal your dreams. And every day, have a checkup from the neck up and get rid of all that stinking thinking. <laughs> Next screen. The man who does not doubt in his heart shall have whatsoever he saith. That's Mark 11 and Proverbs 23. For as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Our mind and our mouth, greatest enemy to destroy us or greatest ally to give us success. Mind and mouth. All right. Let's all stand. God is, God is so good. He's been bringing us in these past weeks on a spiritual journey, and I know Pastor Dennis has more. He's going to be sharing along those lines. And there is so much in the Bible, so much in there about the journey that we're on. He wants us to have a you-do journey. That's Greek for prosperous, a good road, a prosperous. He wants us to, he wants the Spirit of God to come mightily or to schlelach upon us, to rush upon us or flood in upon us or prosper over us. We need that. Let the word of God come as bread in your mouth today. And you'll find somebody this week who's going through some midnight times. Get a hold of some bread for them for their journey. And stay on yours too. Father, we thank you today, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your word. There's just always something new there, Lord. Like the psalmist says, Lord, open my eyes that I may behold wonderful things. And so we have wonderful things in your word. Father, thank you for everyone here because they are on a journey. And if anyone has found that maybe their, their legs becoming tired or their hands hanging down and finding it difficult because it is a great journey. It's a, the greatness of the way. It's, it's, a, it's a steep journey. It's a narrow journey. Sometimes just us and you with us, Lord. But if anyone here has found themselves discouraged today in that journey, Lord, let them experience Lord, as they take the right confession in their mouth and get rid of the stinking thinking and get the right words in their mouth today, Lord, let them believe today for a fresh anointing of the Holy Spirit on their lives. Lord, I believe you're going to do that. You're going to show us, Lord, some miraculous experiences, even this week, of your Spirit rushing upon us mightily. And, and let us not be surprised by it. Let us find it as a, a normal experience that the supernatural will become the natural, that the extraordinary would become the ordinary for us as your people, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you for your presence upon us. Go, go with us as we go from this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you all.